Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to our Water Night, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. For the first time, I think in two years, we're all sitting together recording live. Hello. Hello. Um, so we've got Hunter Godson, Sean Walsh, Dan Kilpatrick, and Ethan Stannard. How is everyone? Yeah, good, mate. Well, good. Apart from the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Surely, you were the only one of us that wasn't in the ground, so get rid of our unconscious bias and tell us how you experienced the game <laughs> on the weekend. I feel like it was quite an easy game to kind of take in. Like I think everyone kind of agrees the first half, it was probably the most promising half of football we've played under Nuno in terms of trying to control the game with the ball, in terms of trying to move up the pitch, in terms of having like a real strategy, like the way we were moving um, Chelsea's three centre-backs around. It looked as if we kind of turned this tactical corner and then we come out for the second half, we get the wind really knocked out of us by the first and especially the second goal, I think. And then we just never really recovered and we kind of entered that phase where you're trying to attack but you don't really know how to do it so instead you just end up giving away loads of chances and I think we conceded three or four really big chances and eventually mm. I think Gary Nelson and Connors that you know you wouldn't put it apart you wouldn't say it's unfair on Chelsea if they got another one now and mm. they did and it just felt really you could see like the the way the, the camera was panning around the stadium like really kind of emptying out there wasn't but it, it wasn't it wasn't like sour like a, like an Everton or a West Ham or something like where you could like hear the, okay. the fans turning on them it was almost kind of apathetic it was just like okay I'm getting out of here yeah. no it, was, it felt like a really practical exit it was like really formal and efficient yeah. people were like okay three nil down I'm off yeah. cheers <laughs> that's, that's exactly it the guys next to me just went I'm just going to go and then got <laughs> I was like yeah probably for the best way don't you know, don't, don't. I know I was sitting right next to the Chelsea fans who were having a, a wonderful time. They were living the dream, weren't yeah, they? I thought yeah. they were pretty rubbish up until like the sort of 3 0 and then the final whistle when they were just lapping it up. Did you see that? Yeah, they sort just they kept singing Champions of Europe, we know what we are, and we're like, <laughs> yeah. We were nearly worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We could have can't, can't really argue with that one. What was it? What? what Made it so good in the first half. What'd you put it down to, Dan? I think it was just a lot more high energy and progressive than anything else we've seen so far. And it it, it felt quite smart. It felt intelligent. It felt like Nuno had, had really thought about it. There were lots of little bits that kind of came together quite nicely. Did you have the ooh when you saw the lineup? Is that, yeah, I think I think everyone did. I think it, it was. It was, yeah, it was an exciting lineup. It was kind of what most fans would have picked, I think. It was just kind of all the sort of good players in roughly the right position. I'll <laughs> 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 say roughly. <laughs> no, I mean, had, maybe if you'd swapped Eli and the Celso, yeah. it would have been kind of everyone in, in you know, more or less the right place. Um, 
Yeah, it felt like there were lots of little elements of it that, that had clearly been thought about. You know, Dyer was really kind of up Lukaku's ass mm. to begin with, which I think worked pretty well, even though he did create that one good chance in, in transition. Um, it was a kind of high, risky press that I think everyone wants to see. Mm. Um, there, there were, you know, kind of <laughs> nice bits where Spurs were dragging Chelsea's midfielder out of, pos- out of position and creating chances, which kind of led to the, the Regulon chance. Uh-huh. So I think that there was, there w- it wasn't perfect, and I think we'll come on to Delhi and Kane's positions, which both felt quite strange. But I think it was a very different approach to Crystal Palace, and, and the approach of Crystal Palace does not have a future. You know? no. And if Nuno does that, it's, it's not going to work from his Spurs. But the first half of Chelsea, I think there is a future there if Spurs can keep at that and, and refine it. Let's do that as our kind of like good bit then, because I think it's undeniable, like you said, Sean, in the first half, I think the vast majority of Spurs fans would have come away at half-time and been like, wow, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, well, it feels like we've been starved of that kind of performance against certainly a bigger and better side in a long time, you know. Last year in the Mourinho, there was a lot of try and sneak an early goal and then camp an hour and a half and didn't always go that way. Um, even in the last stage on the Poch, um, wasn't that much of going toe-to-toe with them. It was more just kind of reserving the energy. So this felt like a really kind of mature performance. And like Dan said, like the little elements like... Because I, th- I, think, I think we'll talk about earlier, Hunter, that maybe the more logical way would have been to go with a back five against the, their back five and try and match him up and he didn't he went for something quite you like like you said that more well more well thought out mm. and quite it, yeah yeah open I mean there's a lot of space in the middle like I think that's what he wanted I think he was trying to give um Dombele, La Celso and Deli some like space to really kind of carry the ball and move forward and then yeah, when we just got to the top end of the pitch it was just really weird because of where Son and Kane were mm. I wonder, I've got a bit of a theory, I, a lot of people sort of uh, have read a lot into the idea of Kane being as a left, left winger, I wonder how much of that was down to Nuno trying to mix things up and how much down to that that Son was not fit. And the idea of Son having to do the wide version of stuff just was not a possibility at the weekend. Or possibly, maybe he was trying to just get Son against one defender and trying to get Kane against another. What, what do you reckon, mate? I reckon, well, from from what I was watching, I was I was thinking that he he decided that Christensen was the weakest of the three in terms of the physical battle, so he decided to push Kane onto him with the chance of Son going round him. But Kane, Kane lost nearly every battle he had with Christensen, bar the one where he managed to slip Regulon in. And that's the game we're used to seeing where in that moment it was, he took he took the um, impact, managed to win the ball, got there ahead of the midfielder and then played the ball in. Um, all, that was probably the most disjointed, that and the, and Delhi were the, were the three that I just couldn't, couldn't quite understand. But it was, uh, it, as these guys have said, it was a really brave formation and the fact that uh, Tuchel pulled Mason Mount. He doesn't often pull Mason Mount. He's like his go-to. Exactly. Right? Suggests that, and and it was probably his, one of the poorest games I've ever seen Mason Mount have. I think that that suggests that there was a there was a a place to build from in the first half. But yeah. then you do have to talk about the whole other half of football, <laughs> which <laughs> which there was also. Just before we do that, it killed me that we wasted the regular on chance. Just. 
seeing the way that it played out, that was our chance. And then I feel like we could have gone and been a bit more defensive in the second half had we taken it. Kind of felt like we threw everything at it and was like, it better work now. I don't, I don't know if it's being a Spurs fan and just being beaten down over the years, but I just feel like if that was Alonso in that position, I'd just be like, this is a goal, 100%. And as Regulon moved like into FIFA, that position, right? I just thought, X across the box. Not, he's not going to... I just had no belief that he was either going to dink it back post, which was because obviously Rudiger's there, right? Rudiger's got in the right position. The only position you can be in is between the two players at the back post and him. So Regulon has a choice if he can dink it, which is risky. There was definitely a moment though where he could have just hit the channel. Oh right, right. I think before there was there was a second just before you got in where it was a really easy just pass. But even then, the ball the ball in between what was it the 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 corridor corridor of uncertainty. That was open. If he really put some put some weight on the pass, but he that you're going to make it as well, right? You and he just it. went for neither and basically just passed it straight to Rudiger, which it, it was. And it, you know that was one of our two chances in the first. He's half, such basically. a confidence player, isn't he? Really? Mm. I mean, I look. I, th- I think he actually played quite well in the first half. Yeah. Was again, he'd had a, a fairly dodgy game against Chelsea last year. I remember Aspilicueta putting him on his ass after like five minutes and. <laughs> I thought he was playing well, and to be fair, he uh, he didn't have a bad game. But yeah, in that moment, it, that's what it will come. He's quite young. He's a young player, and it, and it will come. But yeah, we really we're not good. He's been good as well. It's the thing is actually a decent cross of the ball. So it's just really, really unfortunate that at key time. Well, unfortunate, or perhaps there's something a little bit more at play there. Um, yeah. let's, let's go on to the bad bits, and we've got to talk about the second half. Sure, what, what happens that that we just can't recover from? Um, I think Mount coming on, Kante coming on, because that's just such a, mm. a huge game-changing sub that Chelsea can make. But this is the kind of argument that's going back years to like remember the FA Cup semi-final in twenty seventeen, where Very well. they brought off brought on like what Hazard and Costa and all these guys, and we just couldn't really compete with that kind of level of squad. We can't compete with Kante coming off the bench, changing slightly changing the kind of midfield battle the way he did. It made it harder for us when. We can see from a corner, which wasn't very well defended. Um, that felt weak, didn't it? Yeah, it's, like that. Yeah, if, I think give credit to Chelsea because the way Silver started outside the box, and then kind of ghosted in, and it was the kind of perfect cross to get there. But yeah, not not great. It's not great when you ever because it's a set piece. It's always one of those where you think and you the odds are in your favour. You need to get rid of this. Um, but then the second goal such a kind of meek showing from Dyer to just look kind of not really get his body behind the ball but not really shift towards it either it's kind of like this half-hearted stick move to the side stick my leg out kind of thing and I think I said to you earlier times about Lloris like even if he makes an attempt to save the shot he might claw it back off the line mm. and instead he's just kind of watching it and I just what? didn't think Tyrone were really to blame for it. I just thought it was a bit of a free goal. I think if any if anything was the problem, it was the weird amount of space that Kante just kind of popped up in. Mm. But but I'm not saying Sean's wrong. I just hadn't really thought of it that way. I think we watched. I think it's because this morning we watched it back and the shot's meek. Oh really? It goes it's yeah, slow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I, mean, I know Lloris did just kind of stand there, but I just. I think sometimes when your weight's gone in one direction, yeah. actually reversing it 
is, is, is harder than it looks. Yeah. I think more than, more than anything, the, it was the reaction after they scored the first goal was, oh, oh what do we do now? It wasn't, right, okay, get Move. it back. Like, yeah, try and, try and make something. It, we really, really, all of a sudden looked scared on the like in the first half I noticed we were we were playing out from some quite dangerous areas in our own in our own half, creating sort of triangles and playing up the pitch and I was like I love that. Okay. I love that. <laughs> that's right. That's one thing that Emerson brings that I think the other two fullbacks don't bring is he's very confident on the ball. He he's confident with players getting very close to him uh, and, and sort of dragging players out of position. Question, do you bring Jaffet back? Into right back? No, I don't think no. you do. So that's his sort of. He's lost his spot. I, I think you do. You think you do? Well, I think I think on reflection, Emerson's had a pretty poor game against Palace, and yeah. not a great one against Chelsea. And I don't think Tanganga did an awful lot wrong. Have you changed your game, opinion? So I think it would be a bit harsh. Can you change your opinion on Emerson? Like. I think I was pro- I think I was probably too generous on Emerson last week when we put him in the good, <laughs> given, given he got rinsed by Zaha really, and, and that that was quite tone setting for a really difficult afternoon. I thought he was better against Alonso, but he still lost him at the start of the second half. So Alonso volley, as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean that volley that was the first of their two corners. Yeah. Um, Emerson just just let him get behind him. Um, I haven't. I don't think he's been. You know. He looks awful or anything, but I haven't seen enough of him. I think Tanganga was having a, a really good amount of kind of aggression yeah. and, and sort of impetus on that on that flank. So and also, he, I, I just feel like Tanganga's actually got legit pace. For that, Emerson looks like he should be quick, but he doesn't feel like he backs his pace <laughs> it's against. Very warrior of him. Yeah. Oh no, we've signed Ori. <laughs> we've signed Ori again. I just the only problem I have with Tanganga is I felt like that red card was. Well, it was this close against City, and then it was it was again. I can't remember who played after that, but he got booked fairly within that game. Was he booked early against Wolves? Yeah, booked early against Wolves, and then he gets the two against Palace. And I sort of, I all I think is, I love the aggression. Honestly, I I absolutely love it. But in the Premier League, well, it'll be interesting to see who plays against Wolves tomorrow. Assuming the Dharma is going to play because. Tanganga did have a bit of a nightmare against him. Yeah, but everyone does. He's just not. I know. I know. <laughs> just try, do, do, I mean, Don't give it to Emerson. Give it to Doherty. <laughs> <laughs> does do, do Wolves go strong? Do you think? Do Wolves go like seeing as they have well, been Spurs? I mean, yeah. Well, exactly. Do we go strong? Yeah. It, like we. I think we need to win big time. Like I'm. Uh, like I, I think we really need the League Cup as a as an option, and also I think the League Cup is such a. If you get a good run, you get a couple of good draws in the League Cup, you're in semi-final by January. I just think you needed a bit of momentum going into Sunday as well. We're in so, yeah. It's been so bad since the international break. Like it's just been three really turgid displays, and right now there's not much going for us. And Arsenal, as bad as they are and have been, at least they've been winning in the last couple of weeks. So yeah, so then going into the <laughs> Darwin attack. So if we even if even if Wolves do make wholesale changes tomorrow. They don't want to, they don't see it as a priority to be in this cup. Even if we go and win 2-3-0, that's, that's at least better for us. What do we think to the idea of potentially Delhi playing against Wolves back in his normal position as opposed to left back? Oh, God. <laughs> It'd be nice. <laughs> I mean, is, is this when Nuno sees him though? 
is it, does Nuno see him as a box to box runner? That's what he said. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's that's. To be fair, he looks and is clearly on paper incredible fitness wise at the moment. His fitness is in a brilliant. That, that place. was. I think that was mass. That was like almost that Meza Özil doesn't run. So it's just a complete. It's one of those. No, things. that's nonsense. Delhi always. Yeah, even exactly. on the mm. team, he used to run as much as anyone, apart from occasionally Ericsson. Yeah. I think normally Ericsson would cover the most ground, and Delhi would be yeah. second on in a typical kind of classic parts performance yeah. that was how the numbers kind of always fell so he's got he's always had a great engine uh, I mean I wrote a piece with Standard today um, just kind of discussing Delhi and I think Nuno's seen that he's got a great engine and wants to use it in a different way than, than certainly Pochettino did I think that's focusing too much on one of Delhi's strengths and kind of ignoring the other ones that we know about which you know is, is that ability to kind of find space in the box um that, that kind of inventiveness, you know, the, the flick to Lucas at Ajax, all the nutmegs, you know, that, that kind of ability to, to make something happen in the final third, um, I think is being lost. Um, but I do, you know, I do kind of see the argument that Delhi has been in decline really for over two years, you know, perhaps three years. Um, and perhaps Nuno's just thought, you know, this is a way to just kind of rejuvenate uh, a player who's who's really struggling, and, and you know, get him in the side, um, get him playing regularly, get him, you know, get his rhythm back, um, and then you know maybe we'll see that attacking side of his game, you know, come out more um, in in future. But you, you, I mean, you can work your way into a game, can't you? Like mm-hmm. if you're having a poor game, you can just by covering that amount of distance, you will get yourselves in position where you'll pick up loose balls. I mean, hes I think he's still top of the stats for Spurs in terms of tackles. Mm. I think he's mm. our highest tackler. That anyway, me. Which, which actually tells you, I think it tells you a lot in terms of about how he's doing positionally from that central midfield role. But the problem is, I mean, there's been a lot of coverage about this short already, but we're just not creating anything at the moment. Yeah, it does feel like with the other midfield do have those tackle numbers could probably be made up elsewhere. And mm. that, we don't have many players, particularly since Ericsson gone, that can create something out of nothing in the final third. Like when you've got a player who two, three years ago was averaging double figures, goals and assists all the time, why would you move him further away from the goal? I, I almost stopped thinking about that. It's got I mean, that's, that's, it wasn't long yeah, ago. I think like you think about just we don't create we don't create anything for long time like and that's largely because of Eric, Ericsson's gone and Delhi's not the same kind of player but at least having him closer to the box you just kind of someone who has that kind of ingenuity about him you have someone who can create something out of nothing before the game I, I was sort of having a pint of watching some old Chelsea Spurs in the stadium sorry I, we didn't even ask this did you enjoy the experience of just being back having oh, a pint I loved, I loved, I loved being back so like I said it's my first time back as a fan uh, in a in a long while, and it was great. Honestly, the, the the pre getting the train up, having a couple of drinks in the stadium, and just being a fan. Like, went to a couple of games behind closed doors. That's it. You guys all did. Didn't love that experience, I have to say. So, yeah, it was so nice to be back, and uh, and I saw some people up there I've not seen in a long time, and that was really nice. And they, as I was saying, they had some old Spurs Chelsea fixtures on. I was like, it's not going to be like this. That's what I said. <laughs> but, but what was noticeable was. Well, there was the 2-0 game where it was just Ericsson to Delhi. Mm-hmm. There was the goal in the FA Cup 
where it was the most outrageous assist from Ericsson to Delhi from like round the back, round yeah, the like back. Yeah. and all I kept thinking was we don't have an Ericsson who can find that ball we just don't have that player at the moment we've, we've never replaced him since since he left and and Delhi being further back up the pitch has never worked for him in terms of being able to create from that far back so because he doesn't have that passing range it's not his you think it's Kane will be able to find him in, in mm. the same type of way like yeah. this time for Son and I suppose the other thing with Delhi is uh, from memory Alderville used to be very good at yeah. being yeah. that as well yeah uh, that Chelsea goal that he scored where I prefer Pinks oh, it I just actually yeah. buy it that Best. But we could, that means we could do it again. That means we we do but, have at least some personnel to kind of try and make up that. But we're talking loss. about him high up the pitch here. Yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. If, yeah. we, if you're just tucking him in at left back, you're not going to do a thirty yard ball. He's not going to find his way in. So explain when I said about the left back thing. It's very throwaway comment. Mm. I didn't really explain that. Explain what you saw in the second half. So I was sitting right right behind where Regulon was basically, and every time he pushed on, and it was the same for Emerson, the two central midfielders in uh, Delhi and it was Ndombele would go into the space that they left. Ndombele was getting more progressive from his area, but Delhi was very much covering the space uh, left down the right, uh, the, our left-hand side. And it meant that he was picking up the ball there quite, quite a lot, and we were shifting it. What we did manage to do quite well was shift it quickly around the left-back position to create space for Ndombele on the right-hand side, which worked a couple of times. But all in all, it meant, it meant that he became a massive passenger, especially in the second half, where he was covering for Regulon, who wasn't managing to get behind Azpilicueta because, And this is where Chelsea deserve massive credit. They are just brilliant at defending. Like, their back line... In that second half, they looked so comfortable. Yeah. Think, think about um, how where Chelsea were about a year and a half ago under Lampard. Like, I think they, they conceded fifty or sixty goals in the, across the whole season. It was like it's like an unsolvable kind of issue. All of a sudden, Tuchel comes in in January. They tighten things up. They kind of they're more streetwise. And I don't. I think if you're to go back to particularly around this time last year, I think people would be saying. There's not a huge difference between the squads at Spurs and Chelsea. It's not, it's not massive, but I'm not, I'm not saying that we're not there now. But this isn't. It's like we said, Mourinho. It's not an uncoachable team. We can still find a way out of this. There's still solutions, and there's still a way to go. Do you think they all happen under Nuno? I don't want to comment at this time. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's. I think that's the thing. I, I actually disagree. I think. I think. Tuchel comes into a much, much better squad at, at Chelsea in terms of the depth um, and the players that they will bring. Like, play yeah, definitely bring in terms in. of depth. In terms of depth, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's relevant to Sunday as well because one of the big criticisms of, of Nuno from that game is he didn't react. And I kind of feel like... What How could he react? Poor <laughs> 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 one of our many other central fielders, yeah, okay, like, Ollie Skip and all Harry Skip and... Yeah. Hill, which was about the best he could do. Yeah, yeah. And Hill rocking that weird Errol Brown yeah. hot chocolate star <laughs> moustache. <laughs> Makes him look like a 74 star. <laughs> but it was... Yeah, Chelsea have got players now who aren't getting in their 18-man squad who would probably be starting for Spurs. Or, or you know, certainly the sort of first subs. So there, there is a gulf there. And I think the only thing Nuno could have possibly done would be to have started Hill... And kept the Celso back for the inevitable and Dombele substitution, which was actually what Mourinho did 
you know, it used to work very well. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then at least Spurs would have had another sort of progressive passer who could have come on into midfield after an hour. Um, but other than that, I was just thinking he's gone with the team everyone would have wanted. Yeah. A lesser team would probably have cracked if it's either goal in the first half. Um, and he hasn't really got anything to change it up with. So I did feel sympathy for him. Did you think that we that we burned out? Or do you think we were out thought? I think it was a combination of both. Like I do think Ndombele was tired before half-time. Um, there was one point where he kind of got the ball and the first <laughs> half an hour he had been <laughs> kind of looking, getting his head up and looking to pass and go. And he just kind of knocked it back, I think, then he got it back again. <laughs> he really didn't want it. He just knocked it sideways. He really and elaborate thought, gesture, didn't he, to say pass over there. Yeah, pass we over just there. kind of looked at each other, a couple of colleagues, and just we looked at each other in the press box and said, well, he's done. Yeah. And that was probably 35 minutes or something. So uh, if you think about the conditions that the majority of that team um, had had in the week before so Dyer and Son had barely trained I think after injury yeah. Yeah. the three South Americans had only trained once with the well, squad Saturday night they've been on Saturday night right? yeah. <laughs> um, Royals probably had seven or eight sessions yeah. with the team You know, it, it wasn't a huge surprise that Spurs ran out of puff and, and kind of ideas so yeah I think in all I'm kind of in the camp of it was encouraging not the camp, which we should acknowledge, which is that Chelsea were kind of holding Spurs at arm's length and then they just stepped up a gear. And I've seen that said and I think it's probably a, that's a harsh interpretation. Yeah, that's you've, you've talked to me to feeling a bit more positive about this performance. And so, you know, if we, if, we, if, we win, if we win tomorrow, then I'm going to be optimistic ahead of the derby and that's not what I want. I like going, <laughs> I like going and thinking we're going to lose. <laughs> the, good, the good thing is whenever... The team in form goes into the derby, they tend to lose, I find, and the team often true, actually. That's yeah. so yeah. true. So you, you kind of want a, a, another humbling defeat mm. at Wolves and, and Arsenal to win with Luke. Unless Wimbledon does some massive favour. Just while we're on the midfield, the Celso, like, where are we at with the Celso? I mean, personally for me, I still think about Project Restart and the run of games that you had there, and I think that... That is the version of the Celso I'm desperate to see, but I don't know how we find that again. What did you guys make of his performance? I think he's he looks like a, a bit of a victim of system changes at the moment, and that he looks a little bit lost in what he's supposed to be doing or what he's trying to do. And I, one thing that was very noticeable uh, against Chelsea is he doesn't like, or at least he doesn't look like he likes getting his the the ball facing away from the goal. And every time he tried to turn, he was getting <laughs> eaten. Yeah. Bear in mind, it's Rudiger that followed him out most of the time, who, who's just a brilliant defender and hyper-aggressive and is like the perfect guy to go after him. But, um, yeah, a, a bit lost. His performance was, I mean, at times you wouldn't have noticed he was on the pitch. Um, I had, but I'm, I'm with you. I, I think, again, I think he's, he probably wants to be playing a little bit deeper and picking the ball up and driving forward. Whenever I used to watch him back in La Liga, that's what he was getting on the ball way deeper and driving through midfield with the ball like that. Very mind La Liga, the midfield. When, when he had that great run in Project Restart, was he playing in a kind of two? In a midfield two with Poivier? 
I think he was. Was it Blues before I think he was receiving the ball as our kind of. It's like him and Sissoko Because my, my problem with him is I've just forgotten what he does. What he does, yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. he's supposed to be. Well, he looks like he's never a good touch. I think his thing is drifting with the. I think he is start deeper drift with the ball, luring challenges and then give it and receive it back very quickly and move it on up the pitch. The problem with that is we're also in this identity crisis around then Dombele, around whether he should be sitting deeper or further and forward. Yeah. And Delhi at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So if you've got a, a, some sort of hybrid between Hoybier, Delhi, Le Celso, and then Dombele, and three of those players, you don't know what their position is, you're in a bit of a mm. bind. The three attacking midfielders yeah. don't really complement each other. Yeah, it's a good point. On paper, it's not right wing. I think we can all agree. No, please don't right put him right wing again. And he doesn't, in the same way that he doesn't want the ball, that sort of, with his back to goal. I don't think he wants his. I don't think he wants the ball with his back to the touchline either. No. I don't think he wants to receive it right on touchline because he's not got a huge turn of pace. No. He wants to be weaving, more sort of pushing into the field. He wants mm. to be ten yards inside the touchline. And I think the. The other thing, just to go back and turn and go better, and I would sort of we can put him in the beautiful section here because I feel like a lot of his, a lot of the bits that he did well, he did really really well. But you see, Vendombele, he receives the ball and will be going at a snail's pace, and suddenly he injects a forward pass, cuts between the lines, and you think, oh, well now we're, we're facing the Chelsea back line. Yeah. And he did it against Wren as well, so many times. Yeah. And it's no surprise goal comes from the back heel, but he did it three or four times where you play an instinctive first-time pass that gets us then facing the defensive line and, and we sort of can create an opportunity. But the Dan's point, I feel like he is... It's like when you're playing a computer game, you've only got a limited amount of speed burst to use, <laughs> and you use it, you and then, you, then, then literally the guy's just burn out and he's done. Like, it's, not, it's not good when your luxury player is like simultaneously the engine central midfield player. Yes. Like yeah, yeah. Like yeah. You're kind of... Hedging all your bets that it needs to be a ten out of ten game in order to really kind of succeed. Well, or, or that the opposition are not going to be up to it. Yeah. Mm. Problem is, is that Chelsea are up to it. Yeah. Like Chelsea's in terms of the Chelsea, Chelsea can bring on Kante at half time and that's the blanket laid over him. I mean, he was phenomenal, wasn't he? As well, he was mm. just everywhere, yeah. like as you would expect. But they also moved to a, a sort of three man midfield and they had that flexibility and we just didn't have that. You know, we we didn't have that opportunity to, to do anything. Get, this is like a wider point, like. I know that we're in the middle of the rebuild, but it just feels like the squad planning to this point has just been so awful. Well, we're still, we're yeah. still. We've got a lot of nice pieces, but they just don't fit together. Yeah, we're still in. This is, what we're seeing at the moment is a few different managers' pieces, mm. aren't we? Like the, and, and, and although it was the right decision to sell who was sold over the summer, I think there's a lot of experience missing from that squad now. Sissoko, Bale. Lamella, Alderville must have played, you know, well over a thousand games in the league yeah. between them, mm-hmm. and um, that that's all gone, um, and it's showing. I think. Yes. Yeah. What about the ugly stuff? I mean, we've covered ourselves a bit, but I do feel like we. I don't want to say that uh, Harry Kane's body language and the way he carried himself was was ugly, but I definitely think the fact that we're seeing him look. A bit sluggish is is a worry. So there's a there's a debate, right? Whether <laughs> it's it's him still sort of getting over the fact he didn't get that move. He's still sort of mentally thinking about that, which you wouldn't blame him for. Or it's the fact that he had to play sixty minutes in 
in the Europa Conference League and he's a little bit older and he's always after after Europa Thursday night he's always looked slightly sluggish at the weekend anyway and with the injuries and age and things like that are we just asking are we asking too much of him to to play him in that and then play him against the best team in the league with who I, I don't know I think probably there's an argument for both because he lost by his standard a lot of individual battles on on Sunday that used to kill him yeah, mm. yeah do, you know, do you not think that we just have this kind of conversation about Kane at least once a season every season now because we just expect the absolute most of him like, I know, like he yeah. like he was at the Euros this summer he had the shortened break for you know partly his fault but Whatever. Yeah, quite a long break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said length. Well, well, yeah. Whichever way you want to spin it. But, you know, like, if he scores two goals in two games, it's like, is he the best player in the league? Is he, when's he going to, um, when's he going to become Spurs record goal scorer? When's he going to break Shearer's record? All that. Mm. But he done, he's, he's, what is it now, four games without a goal? Well, he's like almost his. guaranteed to score against yeah. Arsenal. Right? <laughs> <laughs> get that, get that penalty. Yeah. I, I wonder about this. I hate the narrative like, oh, Kane drops too deep. You're playing on the left-hand side. You're going to have to come a little bit deeper. Mm. Like, there's not too much you can do around around that. People seem to absolutely hammering for it. Yeah, but that's a basic misunderstanding of how football works, isn't it? Like, just saying, well, just get him in the box. Well, who was putting crosses into the box? They were, like, the ball would have never got there. The, the question that we can ask is, who is Hank Kane dropping deep to play the ball to? Mm. Yeah. And that's where I think Deli Ali is, well, should be higher up the pitch. Yeah. And, and that's where I think we are losing... Because if Son, if Son, I mean, to be fair, Son then has to go up against three centre backs. If Kane dro- drops in and one comes, one comes with him, which they weren't going with him a lot of the time, then. I do think that uh, it feels a bit more significant with Kane this time. You know, I totally agree with Sean that writing him off or even doubting him in the slightest is really not a good idea and not something I want to be doing um, on this podcast. But. He's barely had a touch in the box mm. this season. He's barely had a sniff at goal in the Premier League. Um, you know, I think the Palace game was a kind of historic statistical low for him in terms of touching the box and shots. So you know, clearly Nuno needs to find a solution. But I also think there's probably an element of, of Kane being a bit fed up. I mean, I don't know if I'd buy the, the kind of Roy Keane narrative of you know haul him off he's a disgrace <laughs> but, um, you know, he, he doesn't look like a happy um, chap no, to doesn't. me and I, yeah I, I think you know all is not particularly well there um, do you think if he's getting two or three chances and scoring a goal maybe two goals in a couple of games so far with looking at the same Harry Kane do you think he's still carrying himself as a little bit deflated if he's still scoring I think Harry Kane's always happy when he's scoring. So, yeah, probably part of his body language is down to the fact that it's just not happening on the pitch. Um, you know, what, however he's feeling about Spurs, we all know he's going to be chasing these individual records. And yeah. you know, obviously, you know, Greaves has, has come up this week and we, we all know that Shearer's is in his sights as well. Um, I, I, th- I just think it's a, probably a combination of all the things we've mentioned. That there'll, yeah. be, there'll be a fitness thing, there'll be the disappointment, there'll be the, the Nuno system... Um, which is clearly not, kind of not getting the best out of him. And 
you know, the fact is, particularly when Lucas and Birdman are injured, there just isn't really much chance to rotate him, is there? I mean, I, I can't see how he can really be dropped for the Wolves game unless Dane mm. Scarlet plays, which is a, a big ask for how, a 17, 18-year-old. How did, it get, how did we not sign a striker? Just even a big shit striker. How did we not sign How much a are we missing Lorente? God's sake. Oh, you know I mean, I mean that was mad like that. And let him leave. But it just seems bizarre that for whatever reason, the fifth year running, we haven't gone and just. Like, if Danny Ings was available, if Edouard from uh, Celtic was available, I just I can't understand how those two were overlooked as like a brilliant option for Spurs, even to play as a two. I mean, Danny Ings can play as a two, Edouard yeah. can play as a two. Like, those are like what buy this nonsense argument that no one will come to Tottenham because they can't sit behind Harry Kane. Like, wh- what are we talking about here? Like, th- th- yes, you'll get slightly less game time, but at the end of the day, you're gonna if you've got a, a young, exciting striker like Watkins, it's a great opportunity. Mm. Daka, Daka at Leicester. Well. Like he knows he's gonna play second fiddle to Jamie Vardy. I feel like we do this with a lot, like a lot of obsessions. We were doing it earlier with. How many wingers in the Prem would walk would into, walk our, into team. our team? Yeah, Ismail Assar came up a couple of times. Oh, it's true, Ismail Assar. Just, just before we finish up, so t- two things to touch on, or three actually. So, overriding feeling is like, chill out on Nuno, give it some time, let it play out, or are we seeing things that maybe we that need to be addressed sooner rather than later? Ask me on Monday. Okay. Oh, that's actually, I mean, I'm actually very much in the belief that you have to. I said at the beginning, Mourinho, when I was hating it, absolutely hating it, I said that you have to give him time because you just can't, you just cannot judge a football manager on, on six, seven games. You have to give them half a year, a year with, with the team. And, uh, I, I think if you speak to most Spurs fans that the expectation was fairly low this year so maybe people need to remember that after the first three games yeah, everyone got a little true. bit <laughs> top of the league haven't conceded the goal but the Wolves game was lucky the City game was well managed and I can't what was the other game Watford Watford, <laughs> Watford. so yeah exactly um, yeah yeah I mean to answer your question both so I think there are things he needs to address but also we, we need to chill out on it and, and give them time yeah, I, I'm. I'm just hoping that we can use the idea of that first forty-five and extend it out to 50, 60 and see progress basically. Because I think, like he said in his presser, that he said he understands that Spurs fans. I think he said that he understands that Spurs fans particularly enjoyed that first half. He gets why yeah. they got a lot from yeah, it. Yeah, as I said, I think there's a future in that Spurs in that Spurs performance in the first half, mm. and it just isn't in the way. He set up at Palace, and, and I hope that unlike Mourinho, he's you know able to kind of realise that and and adapt and not just kind of stick with a, a system that clearly is going nowhere. That's a really good point because it almost felt like Mourinho would hear the fans saying they enjoyed that. It's like, oh, you like that, do you? We'll have this. And it was like the opposite of what fans like. But it's, it's well, true. I did wonder, and I, this may be complete nonsense, but like Mourinho started last season kind of quite open and there were all those quite entertaining games and like the Man U thrashing and then you got really spooked by the West Ham game and yeah. kind of shut up shop and Liverpool yeah and I did wonder whether Nuno might do the opposite and he started kind of really conservatively and solid and then maybe got spooked by the 
Palace defeat and when it goes a bit more front foot. Yeah. It's just a working theory at the moment. But oh, I, like it. I, like, I, like, I like it. There were very fine margins of that first half. If Son takes a better touch, he'd slot that home. And if Regulon makes a, a better decision, those are two... I mean, our XG in the first half was all right. Our XG in the second half was Did it just... go up? <laughs> no, it didn't. In the, sec- in the second half, no. I think it was 4.1 to like 0 point something in the second half. It was not... It was not a... It was not, not the a, best. Yeah, yeah. It was Let's talk Arsenal then, because I mean, by the time this goes out, some people will hear it before we play Wolves. If not, hopefully we will have just won against Wolves. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Going into the derby, how do we feel about playing Arsenal at this point? I mean, Sean, you mentioned earlier on they won a couple of games, but mm. they won 1-0 and Norwich got plenty away. Burnley got a lot away against Arsenal and they defended fairly well, which is not something that we're usually attaching to Arsenal sides of late. Yeah, I mean... Arsenal for the last few years have been you think we've been a shambles you should but. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind well. of like Jeremy Carl isn't it when you watch Jeremy Carl like everything can be going wrong in your life and you go well I'm not then <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on the sofa with Jess uh, uh, there's just like every Arsenal fan I know is just utterly utterly miserable even and after the two wins even after the two wins they're just kind of they're just like kind of clawing onto things that it's like yeah Ramsdale wasn't shit yeah Ben White didn't get bullied all the time yeah clutching yeah it's so if I'd be I would be worried if we don't if if I'm de- definitely worried if we lose a but draw that, might be acceptable but we can't, we can't lose this game like, they always show up against Spurs. Yeah it's the one game that they mm. show up in. and also I mean look I think if we press Arsenal, like we pressed Chelsea um, in that first half, we we'll, we'll get joy. We'll yeah. get a lot of joy. It's, yeah. it's just again whether we can. The, what I'm more comfortable with is if we sharp shop against Arsenal, if we're one or two now against Arsenal, I'd be much more confident shutting up shop against yeah. that Arsenal side and going right. Okay, you can try and break us down now because they've proven that they're, they're and even struggling if they to do, do it. Our counter attack. That we showed last year, we can counter attack. Yeah, it's just that, again, are we playing? Are we playing Sonny into the ground? Are we? Are we asking a lot of Brian Hill potentially to? to I mean, not that we're down to the bare bones, but on the attacking options to lose Lucas and Bovine this early on is really frustrating. And then also, I think that gives more reason to give Nuno a little bit of time because it looks better, better when we had the options. Those three as an option. Okay, last thing. Um, I'd love to touch on Jim Greaves just a little bit. Um, but we might have to literally, as I was saying before the pod, might have to do this through the eyes of our, of our parents, of our folks, or our uncles, etc. Um, because I sort of said the word out to my dad and his brothers in the morning. And I was like, look, I'd love to know your memories of him playing because we didn't see him play. Mm. So did anyone get any story? Did anyone, like, did anyone remember growing up and being told about Jimmy Greaves? I've watched plenty of his goals on YouTube, mm. the ones that are available, um, and that's about the best I can do. <laughs> so, so the thing that came up with, with my dad and my uncle is that people talk about him being like this ruthless goal scorer, mm. and that, that it was this art that he had made, but they said that because of that, no one really appreciates how good a sort of um, passer he was the ball, that mm. he had an amazing switch pass on him that never gets talked about because... 
because he like you see the goal of him scoring against Man United where he dribbles the team mm. and he's sort of rolling the ball in mm. and that he actually often would like could come deep and sort of make play but one of the things that I got a lot of joy from the other day like you say then is like seeing all of these things you only get it from one angle yeah yeah it's very course. like pure it's yeah, very yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like authentic you're getting it from one angle you're getting it in black and white it's a fable yeah, it's, the, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the, the end of the myth, isn't mm. it? It's like the last era of football myth yeah. where asking for stories, you get stories yeah. as opposed mm. to, oh, well, here, I'll share it from 17 angles. I thought, I, what, I'm a bit like Dan, to be honest. Like, I've only, only seen clips on YouTube and clips that have been sort of thrown around on Twitter. But one thing that always struck me is how he moves differently to older, older players, yeah. older generation players. He moves more like a modern player in like, his low body shape. Loads and and moves the ball really well and I mean I think Spurs tweeted the other day our best ever player and I was like well is that taking shots at the <laughs> certain <laughs> current man but but clear like yeah an absolute legend and uh, well you said as well your your dad used to say yeah that it was Jimmy it Greaves was, was the best Jimmy Greaves and um, Glenn Hoddle those are his yeah. two I think he liked you know well hard 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 not to argue with those two basically yeah. but yeah yeah just a uh, an incredible player and a, and a, a, a lovely bloke. Everyone, everyone seems to only have the, the, the best words about him, so that's, that's lovely. Isn't and it? I suppose just, we were talking about Harry Kane Shawnee earlier on as well. It's only when you consider that at the time that he was playing that this guy was getting kicked lumps out of. The rules were completely different. He still scored 266 goals. I mean, he averaged, what, it was like 0.7 goals a game or yeah. something like that. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I remember reading a piece of a couple of years ago and I just went through all the numbers and... Like you think back then, like they didn't. It wasn't. It's more of a numbers game now, isn't it? Like you think mm, yeah. about stats and stuff. But his numbers then compared to a lot of other strikers, just his consistency, utterly unbelievable record. And you know, as a Spurs fan, you do kind of when you get asked like, "Oh, surely Kane is the greatest Spurs player ever?" I do think. We, we I think the the tweet was trying to write a few wrongs in that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Greaves, like Greaves was just this generational player who like you said it's like it's a fable it's a legend he it's the, it's the only way we really see him we only have the limited YouTube footage yeah. everything else is just cut from word of mouth and we, we we watch Kane all the time it's just it's not the kind of same like that but also like we did he did it in an era when we were winning Mm. we were winning you know we were one of the, if not the there's that lovely quote at the beginning of you know they played a montage just before the start of the mm. game, mm. and he says, "Well, they're the, the finest, finest team, team in the country, and yeah. maybe the world finest team in Great Britain, yeah. possibly the world." And My friend like, made that. So really? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, every time I hear it, I'm like, "Oh, that's lo- like that's kind of quite nice." We've got someone. To- it's like you're, he's there with. I know he it's was. A lovely quote. That. Yeah, yeah. It's, a great yeah. Quote. it's really annoying that he wasn't part of the title-winning team because when, yeah, when, when you think of, when you think of Spurs like the sixty cents, what are you thinking of like the buses going down the high road yeah. and the ticker tape and stuff and the way White High Lane used to look. Having said that, he was in the team that won the, the first European trophy, yeah, like yeah, the first yeah, trophy yeah. For, a, for a British side, and that's like, I mean, that's just, when you consider as well that we often get beaten with that shitty stick of like, you're not a big club, you know, or in comparison to some of the other teams that have done it, like, it, I think it's always nice to remember that the history that Spurs have, even though recency bias has become a thing, the history that Spurs have is, like, a very very impressive and B reliant on people like him that made that happen. Yeah, so because people, I, I certainly younger people, 
I kind of wonder why Spurs are considered this big club, why they have this big stadium, why they have so many fans. It's sort of like Greaves was a massive part of the reason why Spurs were so popular back in those days when football was really becoming a mainstream thing. Yeah, it's nice to have a benchmark as well, isn't it? It's nice yeah. to have something sitting there because, I mean, if, if whatever happens, happens. If Harry Kane does make 266, brilliant, we'll all like be overjoyed with that. If he doesn't, yeah, there's people have done it before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. His his record for England as well is absolutely disgraceful. Yeah. I think mean, it's like yeah. forty four and fifty six hat tricks. Would have played the World Cup final if he didn't get injured early in the tournament. Yeah, he, like, he, he, let's let's not get to us that he so deserved the knighthood. Yeah, yeah. so did. He did. And he didn't get his, he didn't get his World Cup winners medal until mm. sort of I think Gordon, Gordon Brown. Yeah. Was, like in ten Downing Street, getting mm. it wasn't he? Bizarre. Good that, on Brown though. Like, yeah, you know when you see um, anytime you see sort of old archive footage and you just think, God, there were some also rans around at that yeah, time. Yeah, like, exactly. What are you doing in there? It's so <laughs> unimportant. Anyway, that's where we're leaving for today. Wait, 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 wait. wait oh, go wait. on. Oh, you've got questions. I asked for some yes. questions. Yeah, we yeah. have to read the questions. So I'll read the questions out. So, first up, has Nuno implemented a style of play? That you're happy with. Who's that from? That's from Alex Purdy. Alex Purdy, huh? In the last one game, yes. Yeah, okay. Previously, not really. Yeah. I think we've covered this. Yeah. yeah. If if he sticks with the first half against Chelsea, I don't But this is fair, right? Because this is a manager who's young in his in his time at Tottenham. He's gonna have to try things out and see if they work. Like I think I think I did put out a tweet on the way home saying, "Who? what managers have turned a whole club around in the first 10 games? Shout out John O'Blaine. I saw it <laughs> straight in on that one. Loads of people came up with like, <laughs> stupid answers who then went on to fail in the next 10 games. But my point was, it, it, patient, patient. I'm with patient. them. Give me first half Spurs <laughs> against Chelsea for 90 minutes. Like yes, and uh, there's another one. Is, it, is his current style better than Mourinho ball so far? Oh, good question. I liked the way Son and Kane played under Mourinho. I didn't like Depend- how deep he sat. It depends which kind of Mourinho ball was it. Yeah. Is it the stretch where every single week was literally the worst performance we've ever seen, or is it at least when we were Very picking up? So was it, was it at least when we were smacking the the bottom half fodder? I want to add a caveat as well here in that if Mourinho had wanted to, if, if Nuno had at his disposal what Mourinho had at his disposal in terms of fit squad and kind of like available players I think Nuno would be playing better football it's tough isn't it yeah longevity means that there were several styles under Mourinho all like that sort of with the similar mm. <laughs> similar we liked Palace right under Mourinho we, uh, at home did we, we four, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so like that's really good performance yeah. yeah, there were times. There were t- I think, yeah. So still too early for that one. The other, the other, Another question comes from Ramsad, who asks, if Manchester City come in with a £100 million bid again in January, should leave it, accept it, and buy some good forward players? Which? Mm, no for me. No for you. Shawnee? No, not in January. Not in January, Dan? I think there's an argument for it. I'm, I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying you should. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really reluctant to say it's supposed to sell home. <laughs> but I, I think that Spurs are, are in the midst of a rebuild now. It's, it's, you know, it's 
obvious to everyone. Um, and the players they've signed this summer look to me like good signings, but signings that, you know, certainly in the case of Hill, Saar, who won't even be here till next year, Galini, you know, they look like players who are going to be for the next two or three years. So, so with that in mind, Spurs are obviously aiming to, to you know, maybe be back in the top four in a couple of years' time. In which case, you know, th- th- there is an argument for really accelerating that process by offloading a big player and you have money. to know who it is, right? You'd have to know who that next <laughs> guy is, right? The, you the you, you, ha- you have to be confident that you could spend the money on two or three of the best sort of eighteen to twenty-one year olds in the world. And if you didn't think you could get them, then there'd be no point in doing it. Mm. Yep, I think I'm I'm sort of closer closer to Dan's. Now, just just in just in terms of, would it be better for everyone? But obviously, that these things can turn so quickly. I don't want to sell him. That's that that comes comes first. I think. I also think as well because he hasn't scored for a few games. We're sitting there being. Um, if Casey Murphy wins the derby on Sunday, I think that's a different answer. Yeah, mm, he's got the hat yeah, against yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, good point. He doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that I think completes our I think that completes it yeah wicked well look uh, thanks so much for listening subscribe if you haven't already so we pop up in your feed you can make sure you follow all the guys on social as well be much appreciated Descri- uh, handles are in the description uh, we'll be back look I'm not going to promise but hopefully we'll be back later on in the week um, to look ahead to Arsenal more specifically if not we'll be back on Monday and I mean God knows what sort of mood we've been in. <laughs> Fingers crossed it's a good one. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you all next time. Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night. You play Thursday because you're... Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.